Hallelujah. Praise God. Welcome, friends. God bless you. You're welcome to a word of victory. And I believe I have a word of victory for you today in Jesus' name. You know, many years ago, I heard um, John Paul Jackson. Um, he was a prophet of God, a mighty man of faith. And, um, you know, he went home to be with the Lord a few years ago. But he came to Ireland many years ago. Um, sort of a couple of times, actually. And the Lord at one point had him drive right around the entire coast of our country, uh, praying and interceding for this land and for the, the things that the Lord was going to do in this land, in Jesus' name. And, you know, he got a bit discouraged on the way. And uh, <clears throat> the Lord told him, there are giants in the land, but the grapes are worth it. And today I want to have a look at, at the book of Numbers when Moses um, sent in uh, 12 leaders of the tribe of different tribes of, of Israel into the promised land to spy out the land and, and, and to, to um, ascertain, you know, what they needed to do. And the, uh, you know, the, there were giants in that land. And that land was belonging to Israel because the Lord had given it to them uh, many generations before and, and they'd been driven out of the land. But now it was time for them to come back in and take their promised, uh, you know, take up their promise that God had promised them. <clears throat> and uh, I believe that word has been ringing and resounding in my heart all week. Uh, the same for us in, in our nation and in and, and every nation of the world. There may be giants in your land, but the grapes are worth it. There may be resistance. There may be uh, pressure and oppression, <clears throat> especially during this virus. You know, the enemy is, is using people. He's using platforms, the media, uh, governments and, and, and different things to bring oppression on people and, and to try and keep them bound and to try and mask or, or, or prevent uh, you know, people from, from being able to freely express and, and freely uh, be identified as individuals and, and to be looking at each other with, with uh, disdain or with, or with fear, um, you know, that, that you're carrying something and, and it may endanger my life, you know, looking at each other with suspicion. And I believe that the Lord has told me that it's time to emerge. It's time for the church to come out of the trenches. You know, in World War I, the trenches uh, were, were a new phenomenon where, where they, they dug these deep, deep trenches into the ground and they were able to observe the enemy and, and fight the enemy from, you know, practically underground or below ground level. But the trenches were not, you know, that warfare was, was actually absolutely horrific in World War I. It was called the Great War. And, you know, I believe that we learn many things from studying um, the wars that, that have gone on in, in the world in the past. And um, I believe the Lord told me that it's time to, for us to emerge from trench warfare. There are clouds of heaviness. There's like a thick fog. And, and, and people, even the church members, are very worried and, and, and you know, fearful, saying, Where's all this going to end? What is happening? And and people are really thrown out of thrown out of kilter. You know, they're they're being unbalanced because they're wondering, you know, Lord, what's happening here? And it's rocking them. 
And I believe that as we uh, emerge from the trenches and, and through fervent prayer, you know, prayer is the key and in this season, I do believe that. And, and through fervent prayer, start to survey the land with God's eyes, with the eyes of faith. Um, praise God. God calls us, you know, to come up higher, to see things from his perspective. But in, in order to come up higher, we must leave our, our physical self because we come up higher with him in the spirit. For God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so we need to leave the physical, the flesh behind. We need to get rid of, of those things that the enemy uh, uses to bring attacks against us in this realm, in this physical realm. And... Uh, you know, many people are, are fearful about this kind of thing because uh, about the supernatural realm, because, you know, there's so much, uh, I believe, the new age and, and, and the, the devil has really taken over uh, the spirit realm and, and tried to make it his own. And therefore, Christians are very fearful of it. But listen, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Uh, you know, but there is a demonic realm and it is it is ruled by the devil. But the Lord tells us to come up higher, to come up and see things from his perspective. We're already seated in the heavenly realms, in the heavenly places. When we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, you know, Ephesians is very clear on this. You are now seated in the heavenly realms with him far above all rulers and powers and principalities of darkness. So we need to leave behind that, that flesh realm, the physical realm. Get rid of fear, because that's the, the, the greatest weapon the devil uses, is fear. Unforgiveness, another one, massive one. Unforgiveness, bitterness, clamor, you know, fighting, strife, dissension. All this noise, all these uh, voices speaking at us from every direction. You must do this, you must do that, you must do this. You know, it's, it's wearing down people. It's, it's fatiguing people. I think people are absolutely exhausted. And, and many, many people are suffering severe post-traumatic stress because of all of this. And it's time for the church to get out of the trenches and stop engaging in warfare and instead take our rightful place and operate in the things of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Not some voodoo-doo-doo, you know, weird kind of a New Age thing. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, there's the, the enemy's cute. He uses busyness. He uses distractions to keep people really busy and really distracted from being able to spend time with God, from being able to study his word, uh, from being able to trust God even. Because, you know, many things are, are coming at us from every direction and it is destabilizing people. But the things of the flesh, you know, and, and offenses will come. Uh, strife, gossip, judgments, criticisms. These things we have to be careful of. They are, they are the difference between life and death. And they are poisonous to the believer. They're poisonous to our faith. And they grieve the Holy Spirit. And this is why many people are saying, where is the Lord? Where is his presence? Where is his spirit? Where is his revival? You know, the, the Spirit of God, he, he cannot operate where there is sin, where there is uh, things of the flesh, unforgiveness, bitterness, strife. We need to, to, to watch and see. 
because he said you be holy as he is holy. Well, Jesus made us righteous. That's the gift he gave us. He he exchanged our unrighteousness, our sins, our iniquities, those things in our families, those curses coming down the generations, bent towards sin, uh, sins in our own lives. He, when we repent of our sins, we bring them to him and say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for taking away my sin. He became sin for us and he became curse for us so that we would not have to live under curse and so that we could be made right with God. That's what righteousness means. It means that we are we have right standing with God, not through our own works or through our own godliness or through our own holiness or anything like that because we are not holy. We are human beings and we have a sin nature that is bent on, on you know, uh, sin, thanks to Adam and Eve and, and you know, what, what, what they handed down. But we can live cleansed and free through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why God sent Jesus. That's why he came. That's why he died on the cross. He did it so that we could be set free from our sins and made right with God, given the free gift of righteousness. And so, This is why it grieves the Holy Spirit when we, who are righteous, engage with the things of the enemy, like strife, unforgiveness, gossip, pride, um, you know, uh, bitterness, fear, doubt, unbelief. All those things are from the flesh realm and from the devil's camp. And as long as we're, uh, you know, um, what's the word, entertaining those things, we, the Holy Spirit, cannot move. Yes, we can know the Lord, we can study his word, we can have, you know, fellowship with him, but real power comes from knowing who we are in Christ and and, and rising above this flesh realm. God is whistling. It says that in Isaiah. He whistles and his people come running. He's whistling for your attention, friend. He's whistling for you to look up and not only to look up, but to come up, come up and rise above it. And, you know, there's great freedom in that, in in realizing that I am the righteousness of Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Through his blood, I have been made right with God and I don't have to engage and entertain with these things. I can just leave them behind and not uh, not eat from the devil's table, really. In Ephesians, you know, Ephesians deals with this very much in, in chapter 4. He talks about putting on the new man and taking off the old man, putting off the former things in, in verse 20 there. You have not so learned in Christ. This is Ephesians 4, uh, 4 verse 20. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. You have a new man. And and ladies, this is talking to you as well, because in, in God, there is neither male nor female. We are all one before God. So man here is talking. Anytime you read man in the Bible, it's talking about mankind. And then he goes on to say, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. 
Therefore, put away from you lying. Let each one of you speak the truth. Uh, you know, don't be angry. Be angry and do not sin. It's okay to be angry about something, but you must not sin. And, you know, before the sun goes down, you must repent of that anger and, and, and make whatever situation has, has brought about that anger. You must make it right and reconcile with it. That's why he said, you know, don't let the sun go down in your anger because what happens is it, it, it magnifies and gets bigger and bigger and bigger and festers like an open wound until it poisons you. And he goes on to say, do not, in verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You have been sealed with the Spirit of God. There's a mark on you. He lives inside of you. His peace is available to you. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamour and evil speaking be put away from you. That clamour there, that means loud quarrelling or fighting and strife. So put it away from you. Wrath, anger, clamour, strife, evil, evil speaking be put away from you, along with all malice. You know, looking for vengeance, looking for revenge, being sneaky. That's not of the Lord and it is not of the Spirit of God. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. This is the call for every Christian. And it's what the enemy resists the most, is that we walk in love. And then he goes on in chapter 5 to say, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Jesus laid down his life as the offering for each one of us, for you, for me, and for every man, woman, and child that would ever live on this earth. He gave his life as a sweet-smelling sacrifice because he never sinned. He never sinned. So he could offer his sinless blood to the Father as the sacrifice for mankind to be saved, for people to be made righteous and forgiven of their sins, and brought back and reconciled to God the Father as his children. And he goes on to, to mention, you know, other sins, fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, uh, foolish talking, coarse jesting, filthiness, all, you know, vulgar talk, which are not fishing, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater you know covetousness is, is idolatry has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God let no one deceive you with empty words because for these things for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience therefore do not be partakers of them you were once in darkness but now you are light in the Lord Walk as children of the light. Amen. That's what we need to do. Walk as children of the light. 
Be filled with the spirit he talks about in verse 18 there. This is um, Ephesians 5.18. Do not be drunk at wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. That's what the Lord sees for each one of us. That's what he desires the most, is that we walk in love, that we put away and put off the old man and all of the, the distractions and, and, and the, the snares of the devil and instead walk in the spirit, praying, meditating on the, on the Lord's word, uh, building each other up, praying in the spirit. And if you don't know how to pray in the spirit, all you have to do is ask the Lord, Father, I desire to be able to speak in an unknown language, in a private prayer language between me and you, Lord. And I believe that that's what Jesus came to give us, is, is that perfect union with you, that fellowship, that intimate fellowship, fellowship in the secret place. And I ask you to baptize me with your Holy Spirit and fill me with your power and reveal the, the knowledge of God to me, Holy Spirit. And I, I just receive it today in the name of Jesus. And just open your mouth and allow the Spirit of God to move. The devil will tell you you're bananas. He'll tell you you're off the wall. He'll tell you that is complete nonsense. You know, so it's up to you. Who, who do you believe? If you have a problem, if you have an issue going on in your life, friend, I'm telling you. You need to learn, uh, you need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit because by speaking in tongues, by singing in tongues, you are communing privately with the Father and the devil cannot understand one word of it and the Lord is bringing solutions and wisdom and answers to you, answered prayer. And it's a time of, of really seeking after the Spirit of God and seeking after what his plans are. Because that's what he said, you know, eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has entered into your heart the things which the Lord has stored up for you. But he reveals them to us by his Spirit in Jesus' name. So if you'd like to receive the Spirit of God, I ask you to pray right now with me. Father God in heaven, I desire today to know you more and more. And I ask you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, to reveal uh, a deeper, uh, more intimate knowledge of you to me through your word. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, I ask you, Lord, to baptize me with your power and with your fire. Father, I ask you to baptize me in your spirit, in the name of Jesus, and I release all doubt and unbelief out of my heart. And I choose today to believe, Lord, and to receive the, the gift of the Spirit, the gift of tongues, the gift of prophecy, the gift of, of uh, words of knowledge, all of the gifts of the Spirit. And most of all, I desire to walk after the Spirit and be led by your Holy Spirit and not led by the flesh. I choose to put off the old man. I ask forgiveness for my sins. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for eating from the devil's table and from being influenced by him. In the name of Jesus, I repent of all my sins and I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you took my sins upon yourself at the cross so that I could be given the free gift of righteousness and made right with God as if I had never sinned. I renounce and release all 
sin and iniquities and unrighteousness. I confess it out of my life. And you said, Jesus, though my sins were as red as scarlet, you would make me as white as snow. And I receive today your forgiveness. I receive today restoration to the Father, reconciliation with him through the blood of Jesus Christ who saved me. And I ask you now, Lord, uh, to baptize me with your Holy Spirit and power in Jesus' name. And I receive it by faith. And I thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord, for taking me up, for drawing me up by the power of your Spirit into your presence and ministering to me. I thank you for bringing breakthrough and answers to my prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Now just open your mouth and allow the Spirit of God to flow. Lord, I release the Spirit of God upon this, my brother and my sister today. And I thank you, Father, for fresh power, fresh fire from heaven to fall upon them today. I thank you for answers, Father God, for those situations that are going on. I thank you, Father God, for healing healing to flow in their bodies, in their hearts, in their emotions, in their minds, Lord. I speak the peace of God. I bind every oppression. I bind up every deaf and dumb spirit that would seek to keep them bound. I command every unclean spirit of hell out of their lives in the name of Jesus. I break off every religious spirit in the name of Jesus. And I speak the peace of God to flow in that one's heart right now, Lord. I thank you, Father, for filling them with your anointing of the Holy Spirit who lives and abides inside of them and I thank you Jesus I thank you for the spirit of breakthrough I release the spirit of breakthrough today and I say receive the spirit of God in Jesus name amen praise God I thank you Jesus listen many people are battle weary they're fatigued they've been in the trenches where there's mud, where there's disease, where there's cold. That's what was going on in the trenches in World War One. you know. The soldiers were absolutely exhausted. It was exhausting. It was freezing. There was mud and sludge. They had to, to plod through that. They had to drag weapons in the mud. It was completely dank and miserable. It was lonely. And it was a very fearful place. And and that's where many of you are living today. And that is not what God wants for you. That is not his best. In Daniel chapter 10 verse 32 it says, The people who know their God will be strong and will resist the enemy. Excuse me, resist the enemy. In another version it says, The people who know their God will be strong and they will do mighty exploits. You know, the tank... In World War Two, ended trench warfare. Well, it was there towards the end of World War One, but it it ended trench warfare. And you know, Jesus and and His free gift of salvation is our tank today. It's our ark. Just as Noah and his family got into the ark, and even though it was very frightening and there was floods and 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 you know they were all very isolated and alone, yet they were secure in the ark. And. Holy Spirit, you know, he is the engine that propels our tank forward. And our faith is what makes the tank strong. That that tank became an impenetrable um, defense mechanism for the armies in the war. And, and it made them be able to advance further and further. Whereas in the trenches, they were stuck in one place and they had to, you know, come up with ways of... of, of of um, defeating the enemy from from underground, and that that was that was why it was so arduous a war. 
But now is time for you and I, for us, the body of Christ, to advance on the enemy's territory, knowing that God is with us. And so, with him on our side, we can never fail. Say that with me. With God on my side, I cannot fail. For with God, all things are possible. In Jesus' name. Okay, let's take a break. Come back in a minute. Praise God. Welcome back. So like we said, it's time to leave the trenches and to cut with the fear, cut with the flesh, cut with the things that the enemy is putting on your plate and turn from it and instead eat from the Father's table. He said in Psalm 23, I lay a table before you in the presence of your enemies. You know, there may be things going on, but listen, you eat from the Father's table in the presence of the enemies. In Numbers, in the Old Testament, in the book of Numbers, chapter 13 and 14, it deals with the time when Moses sent the um, leaders into the land of Canaan to spy it out. I'm not going to read it all just for time's sake, but it was the Lord told him, send in the people one from every tribe, a leader from among every tribe. And in verse, um, let's see, in verse 17, Moses said to them, he sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like. So God gave very specific, very specific detailed instructions and he will do that. And you know, by praying in the spirit, this is something you'll find because the in a, the book of Isaiah in chapter 30 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It says, you know, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Praise God. So Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, said, go up by this way and go by the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who live in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. Hallelujah. Praise God. There's worship going on in the background here today in church. Hallelujah. So they went and spied out the land. And uh, let's see where we go here. They came in verse 23. This is Numbers 13, 23. They came to the valley of Eshkal. And there they cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. And they brought some of the pomegranates and figs also. The place was called the valley of Eshkal because the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. It's interesting they're talking about clusters right now. And, and the Lord gave this word this week. I'm... You know, praise God. Listen, the Lord wants you to have a cluster of fruit in your life. He said, by their fruits, you will know them. And it's so important for us to stop speaking the language of the the devil. We're hearing lots of, of things right now about clusters, outbreaks of, of the COVID, uh, second waves, third waves. Uh, the Lord told us there was going to be a wave of his glory. Many of these things are complete counterfeits to the glory of God, to the, to the, the vocabulary of God, you know. Uh, praise God. So we, we need to choose our, our vocabulary very carefully they're talking about this new normal oh please give it a rest will you there is no new normal 
But there is certainly a new normal that the devil wants people to conform to. And we need to be careful that we're not, uh, as I said, eating from what he's bringing to us. Okay, so <clears throat> they uh, departed and they came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation. And then in verse 27, they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. They brought the huge the huge um, harvest of, of grapes. You know, just one branch had a cluster of grapes on it that two men had to carry it on a pole. Imagine that. That's some size of grapes. Nevertheless, this is where it gets negative. It truly is a land of milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Verse 28. Nevertheless, oh dear, here comes the bad witness or the, the negative report. The people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, or Anak. He was a giant. The Amalekites dwell in the land in the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. So these people had gone out. They were leaders. Listen, listen, friend. They were leaders in, in, in the believers. And they came back with a negative report. And Caleb had to rise up and, and speak over their voices of negativity. Moses had given them a word from God and had told them detailed instructions of where to go so that they would be safe and of what to look for. And they came back and, and they were overwhelmed because they were not operating in faith. God told them this was their land. He had promised it to them. He had given it to Abraham, but the famine had driven them out of it. And then all these other groups started moving in there. But it was God's land. And they had a promise from God. And instead of dwelling and focusing and meditating on that, they started to look at what the enemy was showing them. In 30, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. Caleb had a different spirit. Um, it speaks of that in, in 14, I think. My servant Caleb has a different spirit. He was being led by the spirit of God. And let me tell you, friend, as I said about the trenches and stuff earlier, and many people being fatigued and, and, and sucked, the life sucked out of them. The Spirit of God brings energy. He brings passion. He brings life because he is the Spirit of life. But the Spirit of the devil sucks the life out of you. And I was just thinking this morning, you know, of grapes. And it's amazing that there's grapes here in this as well. If you suck the life out of a grape and, and dry it, it becomes um, a raisin, isn't it? Or a currant. Now, okay, I have nothing against people who like currants and raisins, but personally, I'm not gone on them. But the thing is, is there's a vast difference between a grape and a currant or a raisin, isn't there? The raisin is dried out. It's like, you know, shriveled and withered. The grape is plump and fresh and, you know, it's juicy. There's water in it. It's refreshing. And that's the difference between somebody who's being led 
and filled with the Spirit of God and someone who isn't. The men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up with against these people. They are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak from who came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. So here they just spoke out of their mouths exactly what the devil wanted them to believe. We are not able. So all the congregation, in Numbers 14, lifted up their voices and cried, Oh my goodness, and this is what happens. When there is negative reports coming off the media, coming out of people's mouths, you go downtown and every conversation is related to COVID. And what it does is it sucks the life out of people. It drains them of their energy and it makes them want to cry because it has totally, uh, you know, got a spirit of fear and terror behind it. And this is what happened to these people. And guess what happened? They complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation and said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought this brought us to this land to fall by the swords that our wives and children should become victims? Was it not better for us to return to Egypt? God, they were demented. They wanted to go back into slavery. They had forgotten everything about their lives of misery in Egypt while they were slaves. And and here the devil had actually completely turned their whole personalities into my misery and, and complaining murmurs who, who uh, came against their leaders and authority, the ones who the Lord had put in authority over them. This is dangerous. And they were willing a spirit of death upon themselves. And that's exactly what they got. So they said to one another in verse 4, this is Numbers 14, 4, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Imagine that. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. This is the humility of those men. They fell on their faces before them. They weren't begging them. They just, they were begging God, please. They knew well what was going to happen. Please, Father, have mercy on them. Have mercy on them. Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephuna, or Jephuna, I don't know how you pronounce that, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. You see, Joshua and Caleb saw that the Spirit of God was with them, and that these these people did not have the Lord with them and therefore they had no protection. Those people could have very easily come to know the Lord had they acknowledged him and had they, uh, you know, bowed before him. But they didn't. They had their own gods and their own idols and pagan, uh, you know, and, and the Lord will not tolerate that. But Joshua and Caleb noticed this, that they had no protection. They had no covering. 
but we have because God is with us and we cannot fail when he is with us. And what happened? Oh, these two voices of reason and of, of, of trusting God, the people turned on them. And in verse 10, the congregation decided to stone them with stones. Now the glory and, and Joshua and Caleb were just saved because the glory of God came down on the temple. The cloud descended upon the temple and that shut the people up. And Moses said, you know, went in to be with the Lord and the Lord said, how long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me with all the signs that I have performed among them? He dried up the Red Sea for them. He brought them out with gold and silver. There was none feeble among them, Psalm 105 tells us. He uh, dried up the Red Sea, as I said. He brought water out of the rock. He fed them every day with manna. Their shoes did not wear out. And yet they still wouldn't believe him. The minute a negative report came, they turned. This is why we have to be careful about negativity, friend. Moses interceded for them and they said, Lord, if you if you do this, you know, all your enemies are going to laugh and say, oh, the Lord could never bring his people into the promised land. So the Lord relented. You know, Moses actually, which I love, he brought back to the Lord what the Lord had revealed to him. In verse 18, he said, you know, the Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he, So he, you know, the Lord, when he had made his goodness pass before Moses, he said, I am the Lord and I am compassionate and long-suffering. That's exactly what Moses spoke back to him. Moses spoke God's word back to him. And the Lord relented. In verse 20, the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. Imagine that. The God who created the heavens and the earth said to his friend Moses, I have pardoned according to your word because of what you have spoken to me. That's the power our prayer has, friend. That's the power our fellowship with God has. And this is why the devil does not want people to make time to fellowship and to commune and to spend time alone with the Lord because he will suck the life out of you so you'll be like that withered raisin and not like that fresh grape. Bouncy and full of life. Pouring with juice and refreshment and water. No, he wants you dried and withered and dark. And he said then, but truly, as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of God. And that is his promise. And that is coming, friend. It's coming. And they can use masks. They can use whatever they like. But it will not stop the glory of God from falling on this earth. And you better be ready, friend. Listen. It's not a time to be isolated. It's not a time to be out of fellowship. It is not a time to be in the world, uh, dabbling with, with the world. And I give this analogy a lot. You know, if you want, just stand with me a minute. Okay? Now I want you to spread your legs beyond your hips. And now I want you to try and walk like that. Because if you've got one leg in this camp, the enemy's camp, and one leg in God's camp, okay? Now you try and walk you're suddenly going to be very unbalanced and look very odd. And it is time for people to make a decision. Like we read in, in Daniel chapter, um, what was that again? Daniel 10, isn't it? Yeah, 32. The people who know their God will do mighty exploits. But for the ones who don't know their God, 
they're at the mercy of the enemy. And that's the place we're in right now in the world. And it's time for people to stand up and speak out. And even if they are lone voices, Caleb and Joshua were the only two voices who spoke out. And you can read on again uh, the rest of chapter 14 there. In, in verse 24, the Lord says, My servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land where he went and all his descendants shall inherit it. Not only Caleb was going to be blessed, but his children and children and children and children, his descendants were blessed because of the decision their, their grandfather, their great-grandfather, their great-great-grandfather made. Caleb at this point was in his 80s. He was in his 80s, it tells us later on, when they went into the promised land. This is why the devil has gone through, you know, riddled with that, that virus and, and, and whatever is going on in the back. I don't know, but God knows. Is riddled and, and terrorized elderly people because they are people of faith. And he is sucking the faith out of this out of this world to try and make it a complete socialist, communist place where people have no freedom, no liberty and are not allowed to practice their faith. Listen, friend, in China right now, the, the government is going in to the houses of those who are on the, the, the pitiful uh, social welfare system they have over there. They are going into their houses and they are looking to see, is there any evidence of a Bible or of, of Jesus in that house? And if there is, it has to be removed if they want to stay getting their money. This is the poorest of the poor. That's who they start with, friend. And then they come for the others and they will come. And we need to know this and we need to get right with God and decide whose camp are we going to be in. Because there will be a blessing for you and for your children like we read last week in Malachi, there will be a difference between those who serve the Lord and those who don't. And I challenge you today, there is nothing impossible with God. Without him, life is empty though. We serve the God of the supernatural, dunamis, life-giving power. And, you know, uh, we, we need to be careful because there are spirits of seduction that the enemy uses and they're very, very subtle. They seduce us to eat from his table. Apathy, passiveness. Our shirt's all right, I'll do it tomorrow. I've no time to do my Bible today. I've no time. I don't, I don't go to church. I don't have time. Listen, apathy is your greatest enemy. Offense is your greatest enemy. Bitterness is your greatest enemy. Criticism. Because what will come from it, I'll tell you now, is depression and fatigue and exhaustion and failure. We need to shake off that downcast spirit and allow God's Holy Spirit to move in us. He is the energizing spirit. He is the spirit who will bring you passion and power and life in Jesus' name. Say it with me. Father God, I thank you for leading me by your precious Holy Spirit. I thank you for bringing the spirit of breakthrough into my life today. I shake off those shackles the enemy has sought to, to hinder and block me with. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for not prioritizing you. And I ask you, Father, to make the way for me to be able to fellowship with you. In Jesus' name, I believe, Lord. Help my unbelief. I repent for doubt and unbelief. I ask you to forgive me for allowing the devil to influence me. I ask you to forgive me for, uh, for allowing him to use my flesh to divide and conquer my life. I ask you to baptize me afresh today with your fire, the fire of your Holy Spirit in Jesus name.
I renounce all strife. I renounce all fear. I renounce all offense. I ask forgiveness of them. I renounce all judgment and criticism. I ask you to forgive me, Father, in the name of Jesus. And I loose myself from those things. And I choose to follow you and to come out and come up higher in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, friend. Oh, one more. Actually, I forgot. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. One more very important scripture in Deuteronomy chapter one. I don't have time to do all of this. But in Deuteronomy chapter one, where Moses went through everything that had happened to the people of Israel. And he said in verse 26 in Deuteronomy chapter 126, you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and you refused to go in. This was into the land. You complained in your tents and said, the Lord must hate us. And this is something the devil does. He speaks into your ear and he says, God doesn't like you. He, oh, he likes, you know, that lady there and this man there because they're lovely, holy people. He doesn't like you. Listen, that's a lie from the pits of hell and don't listen to it. Cast it out. He loves you. Anyway, and then it goes on to say, that's why he has brought us here from Egypt to hand us over to the Amorites to be slaughtered. Where can we go? And listen to this, friend. And this is from the NLT, the New Living Testament. Our brothers have demoralized us with their report. They tell us the people of the land are taller and more powerful than we are, and their towns are large with walls rising high into the sky. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak or Anak. So it was the report. It was the report that came back that demoralized the people and made them feel useless and made them speak out, curse out of their mouths. They spoke out and they said, oh, Lord, that we would die in this wilderness. And that's exactly what happened to them. The Lord said, you will not go into the promised land because I cannot have doubt and unbelief and complaining and murmuring coming into the spirit of breakthrough. You're, I will bring your children, all those who are under the age of 20, I'll bring them in, but you will die in the wilderness. So you're going to wander in the this wilderness another 40 years for the amount of days that those spies took to seek out that land and you'll read all that in numbers 14 and he he they brought curse on themselves so that they died and there it was their children who went into the promised land don't let that happen friend don't let the the reports that the enemy is bringing demoralize you and suck the faith out of your life come up higher come up to the where the Lord is and look at things from his perspective in Jesus name God bless you Amen Psalm 30 I will extol you O Lord for you have drawn me up and have not caused my foes to rejoice over me O Lord my God I cry to you and you healed me O Lord you have brought up my soul from the grave you have kept me alive, that I should not go down to the pit. Sing to the Lord, O you holy people of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. For his anger endures but a moment, in his favour is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. In my prosperity, I said, I will never be moved. Lord, be your favor. By your favor, you have set me strong as a mountain. You hid your face, and I was terrified. I cried to you, O Lord, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my death? If I go down to the pit, 
will the just give you thanks? Will it declare your truth? Hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me. Lord, be my helper. For you have turned my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and gilded me with gladness, so that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Amen. The ironic blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his shalom, in Jesus' name. Amen.